Welcome back to the podcast. I have returning guest Fino Black, Pro Tour Leal Top Eight. How's it going? So, uh, you've recently been kind of a trendsetter, been a, a meme creator. <laughs> I could be spending my time getting ready for worlds instead of making memes. I have a problem. <laughs> uh, it's been taking off. I think I got a few new followers because of your memes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, man. I need to do one with uh, some of Joe's faces because he always has really good uh, <laughs> faces during our pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we go any further, I wanted to give a shout out to our Rate This podcast. So this is a website that makes it easy for you to review and it helps us on discoverability. Uh, that's rate this podcast slash a 420 podcast so that's the number 420 podcast so if you go on uh last time we read some nice reviews although they were i think written about a month or two ago so if you write a review particularly i think on apple uh lets you write out reviews other platforms maybe you just can give a star rating i want some funny reviews give me give me some shit to laugh to yeah 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 I'll, I'll post your shit on Twitter if it's funny. Just roast, roast <laughs> us. Just like, Ooh. Give, give us five stars, but then the review is just like a roast. Oh, yeah. I love that shit. All right. Um, so I wanted to kind of recap. Haven't been on in a couple of weeks. Uh, what have you been up to last couple of weeks in Flesh and Blood? Have you been playing at, at all? or Not a ton. Just like my local armory stuff that I run, which has mostly just been like, uh, teaching some new players and uh, doing like a little bit of Blitz because I probably should learn anything about Blitz before <laughs> Worlds. Um, I haven't played a single game of Classic uh, since Nationals. Uh, do you get a lot of, do you get a couple of new faces at your local store every so often? Yeah, yeah. We usually get like one to three new people a month. Um, there's like two new people that I've been teaching over the past couple of weeks, mm -hmm. uh, just kind of catching them up on the basics of the game. And then kind of as they get past that point, giving them the intermediates of like understanding turn cycles, how and how to like attack and block, you know, the, the basic stuff. But uh, just trying to get them up to speed so that way they can go to the next like qualifier season and not feel out of place. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I I thought that the scene by me was pretty dead but actually i found out recently that some of the stores that i don't usually go to have been doing a pretty good job of kind of cultivating like a new wave of flesh and blood adoptees and i think that's pretty cool i are you going to any of the events coming up there's going to be uh, a big like 10k battle hardened in ohio, in columbus ohio and then also another one in denver before worlds Worlds is almost here. Yeah, right. It's sneaking up. Uh, I don't think so. I think that I'm just going to be spending time uh, hanging out and spending time with family and stuff because, you know, spending so much time doing this game, I haven't really had a chance to catch up with friends and family. And I have some people that are in the area for a very short amount of time and kind of lining up bad with everything of just like, of course, people come to visit right during all these big tournaments. Um, yeah. So I want to make sure I see them before they go. Like um, my uncle just visited and I haven't seen him in like 10 years. And I was actually planning on trying to surprise him by visiting him in Japan because uh, I wanted to try to go to Pokemon Worlds next year, which is in Japan. And instead, he just randomly stopped by my house and was just like, hey, I'm here unannounced, just 
you didn't think to tell us that you were coming <laughs> across the world to visit just showed up unannounced at my front door all right is your personality like a, a familial trait is everyone in your family kind of just like this everyone in my family is a character that's for sure <laughs> uh in different ways yeah uh, he's he's the uh, grumpy old man yelling at the moon character. Uh, it's it, it, certainly a character. I can imagine you in Japan being just like a complete menace. I'm a menace wherever I go. So <laughs> I feel like the there's like a culture clash. You're mm -hmm. like loud, outspoken. Oh, I will not fit in. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get lots of funny looks that I will not care about. Oh man, it sounds like a, it's going to be a good time if you do go. They just recently reopened their borders. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. Um, my my goal is to try to qualify for Pokemon Worlds, either TCG or VGC, but I got a lot of catching up to do on that. I'm going to probably go regardless because Pokemon Worlds is just super fun. It is one of the most well-run events I've ever been to in my life. And then I'll probably try to spend a few weeks just hanging out in Japan because I've always wanted to go there. Dude, that sounds that sounds pretty hype. I will be going to the two battle hardens. Good uh, luck. Thank you. I I'm a little bit unsure of what to play. Uh, uh, what do you think about the concept of kind of like hiding your best deck or whatever, or do you just like think it's better to just like play whatever well, the deck is? I, I I haven't been paying attention. First of all, what are they? Are they Blitz CC what? I think they're all CC. Okay. Um, as far as hiding, I don't know. This is new to me. I am used to being a casual scrub and not having to worry about that kind of stuff. I feel like I'm now in a position where I'm incentivized to hide stuff, and I don't know how to feel about that. Mm. Um, I don't know, because, like, there's definitely some level of, like, affecting what people play by calling your shot on certain things. Yeah. Um, or like, for instance, the Nationals draw my list that I was on was uh, weird. And if I had shown my deck list ahead of time, it would have changed other people's draw my lists because we were doing something other people weren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. And like the we were on certain game plans against old him that I feel like other draw my's weren't. So that would have affected how other people would have sideboarded into us. It'd be like Hamilton calling a shot saying, I'm physical Icelander going into the tournament. People would play differently knowing he's playing that, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. I, I, I think it's a fine line. Uh, try to, at least on this podcast, to not really hide anything, but... Uh, I think if it was magic, I would care less because yeah. I feel like the edges are much smaller on that kind of thing. In this game, I feel like if you have like a good strategy that other people aren't prepared for, your win percentage is just like crazy. Yeah, because game plans matter and deck building matters so much more in this than they do in other card games where it's like, like in Magic, it felt like a lot of times you're like within a couple cards of the next person. Yeah. And like you're doing the same thing. It's just playing better than them, I guess. But like your your game plan isn't going to be vastly different from one mono red aggro to the other mono red aggro deck. You're, you're doing the same thing. You're just hoping things line up and then playing as good as possible. I wonder since... Talishar is getting more popular. If people start collecting more data, <clears throat> do we reach to like that level of optimized? I wanted to do <clears throat> an episode in the future, kind of about early format 
events versus later format events mm -hmm. and like the later you are in a format the more kind of figured out everything is and then the edges get a lot smaller mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i uh i've been thinking a lot about that whole data thing compared to magic and i don't think we're gonna like i'd love to go deeper into this on another podcast because like this is definitely a long topic I honestly wanted to make a video just talking about it myself, but I don't think we're going to have the same thing happen because like, kind of like what I was saying, magic, you're doing a very similar thing to the next person uh, on within the same deck or whatever. And yeah. the optimization is usually like, Oh, the deck list gets refined very quickly and plans get figured out very quickly. Yeah. We're like net decking doesn't work the same in this game. And like game plans can be vastly different from how I play the deck versus how you play the deck like it doesn't matter if there's a bunch of data if we just play the deck differently uh, yeah I, I just don't think we're the, the game lends itself to the big data in the same way as magic and other games do because of how deep the game is okay that's fair this is a little bit off topic but i recently went with some friends to a store and discovered what's called like goat format mm -hmm. for Yu-Gi-Oh, and it's like kind of crazy to me how i think that game honestly i feel like Yu-Gi-Oh plays out in a similar way to a lot of flesh and blood at least like early Yu-Gi-Oh, where like the way that you play your cards is like so important mm. and there's a lot of like flexibility there and then so i think like that format even though it's kind of like a dead format in the sense that there's no like new cards there's always like constantly like evolving strategies Mm -hmm. and like unexplored things and i think that's kind of how i feel about flesh and blood right now old Yu-Gi-Oh is pretty good yeah where even if let's say we we figure out at the end of the world championships this is like the cc deck right it could be like the really like the best one i think that we could find like a way to like maybe try to metagame against it even still yeah and a lot of that's the the depth and the balance of the game it's like the math of the cards is such that it's there's counterplay to things where like you don't see that as much in other card games sometimes because when there's a best deck it's because it's the best deck like it's oppressive or something and it's like it's doing something inherently unfair kind of like chain in its heyday where it's like there there is technically counterplay but it was just mathematically so above what anyone else was capable of doing that's like de facto the best yeah, I feel like in CC there's less of that, but uh, I don't think you're going to have a good time playing Blitz. At least, in my opinion, I feel like Blitz is kind of there. Mm. Uh, but we'll, we'll find out uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, I wanted to get on to our main topic, which is playing opposite your opponent's strategy. And this is something that I thought about. Actually, uh, Fina, do you play any poker? I do not. I might actually be playing poker for the first time ever with my buddies uh, in a few weeks. We're, we're like hanging out and doing some drinks and stuff. And uh, one of them's a big poker guy, and he was going to try to force us all to play. That's I'm uh, my my plan is to not learn the rules of the game and just play the people. <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely a strategy. I think. Um, so in poker, there's like different kind of like styles. Uh, particularly, I'm talking about Texas Hold'em. So mm -hmm. you can like choose to play like poker is kind of different, I guess, like from any TCG where like in a TCG, like, you, you kind of have to play like the cards that you're dealt. Right. Mm -hmm. But in poker, you can always choose to not play. You just give up the ante or whatever. Um, and so usually at any given table, there's going to be a couple of people who are playing different in different ways. 
and like sometimes people there's people who want to play every hand and they're just they're described as loose and then there's people who just want to play when they have kings or aces or something and that's like really tight and there's merits to both sides of it but it's kind of funny how it works out uh usually it's the most profitable to just like do the opposite of what everyone else around you is doing and I think this is kind of true not only in card games, but sometimes like in life as well. I feel like doing exactly what everyone else is around you is doing is rarely like the mm. most profitable or like the most beneficial like way to behave. Being a contra- being a contrarian. Uh, you love being a contrarian. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, your 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 topic for this was about that, but actually I think you just raised a really interesting thought. The your 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 comment of like, oh, you don't have to play every single hand in poker. Flesh and Blood is actually probably one of the only TCGs where that is a thing. Because, like, in Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh!, whatever, if I don't want to play this hand, that sucks. That's my hand. In Fab, I don't want to play this hand. All right, I'll just block. Yeah, that's true. You do have the option to, like, give up a little bit of value and then just, like, block. Like, this hand isn't... This ain't it. I'll I'll try again next turn. It's, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because... In Flesh and Blood, I recently saw like a couple different par- parallels, and <laughs> this I, I started thinking about this when, you know, like I I don't know if you know my draft style. I usually don't really force very much at all. Mm-hmm. I try to read the table, and I've been having some success with that. But at the same time, I know a lot of people who swear that forcing is just like the best strategy, and I think it really depends on like the makeup of your table. Mm, so I it's agree. like if you're trying to force phi and everybody else at your table is also trying to force phi and none of you like care to look at the pack at all you just pick the phi cards like, you're all gonna have a bad time oh you mean my nationals draft <laughs> <laughs> uh sad <laughs> uh, yeah well i mean it happens but it, uh, happens. but no but no but i think i think that's like uh that's like something to, to to think about, right? Like if if you know, and I mean, obviously, if you play with a bunch of people that you haven't played with before, it's kind of hard to get a gauge of. But if, if you know that these people like to force certain heroes, then it doesn't really matter what's in the packs. Like it's, it's your advantage to kind of like stay away from it. Mm-hmm. And likewise, like you can put that pressure on your like the people at your table if you just like force a hero and you don't like don't really care about reading the signals then everybody else if they're like trying to kind of like read and like draft quote-unquote correctly they're gonna move out of the way right i I actually like will do both and it really depends on the table sometimes i'll start open and then force or try to play my seat It, it really depends on like how good i think the table is sometimes like Lil, I did that where uh, day one draft I forced, day two draft I played my seat because day one draft I'm like, all right, this is a draft of a lot of random people. I don't know what to expect from a lot of these people. And like even from some of the good players, I don't know what to expect because there's a lot of good players that are just like, yeah, whatever, force. So it's like, whatever. Uh, if this is going to be cursed, I'm probably rewarded forcing and I was where the day two draft, I was like, all right, well, we're into day two. This is a probably a good draft pod. People will read signals at least and hopefully. And so I will try to play my seat for a number of picks and 
people did read the packs and everyone at the table more or less played their seat. So I was rewarded for that. Um, but then, you know, you get the third version of that where, um, for, uh, again, my nationals draft, um, I tried forcing and then was forced out of my lane. So I played my seat and then it turns out that my seat was wrong because people just didn't know what cards to take out of the packs. So then I was put into back into the deck. I originally tried forcing because people started in that deck and then switched out or something. I don't know. I was very confused. My draft started with like pack one. I think there were like four Icelanders when I was trying to play Icelander. And then the draft ended with me and one other Icelander because I went back to Icelander and four fives. I got a 14th pick pack one. Uh, is it Rise Up, the Dominate card? Yes. I got that 14th pick. So I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. I'll just play my seat. I'll play five. I saw a couple head jabs in the packs before that that I picked up just to hedge. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll play five. And then it turns out everyone to my left was five. And I'm like, how did this come to me? Like, I'm. Sometimes it's hard to play your seat and it's sometimes it's hard to force and sometimes it's hard to do either. And the draft is just cursed. It's the problem I'm having with this format of just, there's so much that can go wrong. Yeah. I think uh, the example that you brought up is kind of like a good one and something that uh, is like about the point. So I think if it's, I don't, I don't know if the people to the left of you are just like forcing Phi and like not taking Phi cards or like what, what it is. But usually I find that, the more kind of like train wrecky cursed draft pods are the ones where everybody's like waffling a little bit like oh i'm mm. gonna try to stay open and then they stay open for too long and then they're like oh well i gotta pick at the end of pack one beginning of pack two i gotta pick something right yeah and it's just kind of like if you had just like put your nose down you're like i'm gonna force icelander you're getting cut off like i don't care I'm just mm -hmm. going to pick Icelander cards. It, it's, it's, it's for me, it's hard to go in that direction, but other people I know who are good players just like thrive in that environment where it's like, oh, I don't care if I'm getting cut off. I'm going to dig in, double down, and then event, and then like the other people just like move out as a well, result. You, uh, yeah, I'll do that sometimes. And usually if you moved in early enough, you'll at least push the people to your left out. Yeah, and in that example, it felt like I was the fourth Icelander, and that's just an absolute. And it was a seven-man pod, so that's <laughs> right. just an app. That's an absolute train wreck of a draft if I'm the fourth Icelander. But like, what I like to do is try to tell the the people to my left that you're this specifically, and then so long as I don't have two to three people to my right on the same deck, usually it's fine. Like, if the person's directly to my right, that's like fairly annoying. But, like, it's not the end of the world. And then if it's, like, two of us in a row and we're cutting everything, that usually means there might not be another one at the table. Maybe there's one more. But, like, I'll try to draft in such a way to, like, push people into something to my left so that they won't waffle. Because, like, what I don't want is, like, what you said, the cursed waffling of their, their jumping between things where they commit late and no one knows what they're doing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's like when you do that and then they just ignore the signal you send them. It's like there's a rare dragon and a red ember maw on the pack. Your Dromai. Have fun with that. And then they just ignore that and take the wizard card out of the back of the pack, even though you already took a wizard card out of the back of the pack. And it's like, 
there's clearly an Icelander to your direct right. You should get out of the lane. Uh, You're just going to ignore it. All right. It's like that. That can end up with it being cursed. And then it's going to take you, what, seven picks to realize that's going on. And then you won't even realize that they're directly to your left until the next pack because just because it's gone doesn't mean it was necessarily the person to your left that took it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think there are like these like tricky spots and that's some of like the it's it's hard to put it into as concrete terms as what we try to do for other topics on this podcast. But I think it's an important one to understand for draft because Mm-hmm. If, if you were to like draw a table of everybody like at your draft table honestly like the best like kind of draft partners that you can have uh to your right and left is somebody who like does like the opposite of you so it's yeah. like if the person to your right is forcing phi and then you read it then you and him or her are gonna have a better draft overall right yeah i always uh, i i think this is a like i was thinking about this last night i think it's actually a problem of mine where i too often try to be the I'm the two split and the other person's directly across from me. Um, but like, I think that's what I normally try to do. Just uh, nope, I I, I want to be one of the two people on this deck and they're they're on the other side of the table. So we're cooperating. But like, I think that's a big problem with the format too. People are too unwilling to cooperate because some percentage of the time they're rewarded for not cooperating right by by forcing and it gives mixed it's the like results oriented uh thing of like well i did well before by forcing so i'm just gonna do it again even though i just train wrecked this draft for everyone (laughs) i i think it's it's one aspect of my personal game that i'm looking to improve on like the forcing style uh picking like the right spots to force Mm-hmm. I, I am like you. Most of the time, I'll gravitate towards trying to draft Icelander Dromai where it's open because mm-hmm. it's like uncomfortable for me to know that people to my right and left are in Phi. But I think that is just like uh, an aspect of my game that I'm going to have to kind of work on to like understand like here are the right spots. And I mm-hmm. wanted to just bring that up as a topic to let the viewers or listeners know that there's multiple ways I think to go about it. And then we talk a lot about like reading signals, sending signals in one of the previous uh, videos or uh, I guess audio files uh, podcasts that there is an alternative. And we did like a whole video on forcing, but it's really like, I wanted to kind of remove the stigma of forcing where sometimes it is like a legitimate strategy. I don't think there's anything like inherently wrong with the strategy and like there, there could even be the, the next level of it where you're forcing as a strategy to manipulate what other people in the pot are doing. I don't think that most people are doing that next level of it. They're just stopping at the, I'm just going to force this hero thought, but like it, things like that always make me think back to, um, there was that, uh, I think it was a Pro Tour or something for uh, one of the Kamigawa blocks where they would manipulate the pod by uh, what they took pack one. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. They, like, left white open pack one to trick people into white, then hard cut pack two white, and then all the payoffs were in pack two for being white. So anyone that was white pack one just had an unplayable pile of trash. 
Yeah, that's that's like kind of that that is like a next level. I think that works best when you have. Are you talking about the Kamiyama block? I think so. I don't remember the exact story anymore. I just know that that like that was a thing that happened at a major thing, and it was it was a next level strategy. Yeah. And like it it makes me think back to those moments. So it's like I can't write off what people are doing as a strategy. Where like maybe they know something I don't. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um... And, that, and that even makes me think back to like a conversation with Cody right before uh, nationals where he uh, he got like curb stomped by physical Icelander a couple times and he was just getting mad and memeing on it in the chat. And then he just paused for a moment. He's like, you know what? Maybe I'm just, I need to not just write off a deck and write off a strategy. Maybe they know something I don't and I should just try it out. And then he did. And he was like, Oh, this is actually really good. Yeah. 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 I think keeping like an open mind is pretty strong uh, because uh, this is like a good transition. Uh, I also wanted to bring this concept into playing constructed games. So obviously like in constructed, you don't have to like draft your own deck, but choosing what deck that you want to play is oftentimes, I guess the biggest decision whenever you're going to any event, like choosing what hero also, like how you want to play the hero, like whether you play Icelander with attacks or you play Icelander without attacks. And then there's mm -hmm. always like, there's always like common accepted wisdom. Like these are good decks. Like, for example, at Leal, uh, you play Prism, right? Like yeah. Prism wasn't accepted as being like a quote unquote good deck because it loses to, um, like all it wasn't the, like the go-to deck yeah. yeah 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 like it wasn't it wasn't like the deck that people thought it was good i think like most people were on briar or or viserai or like like one of the rune blades at the time either that or you play like uh oldham wasn't even that popular i'm trying to remember like what the meta breakdown was didn't see one the entire tournament you're telling me <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh and so it's like they're I mean, like, different people have different reasons. I know you just like Prism. She's cute. <laughs> but there's there's this decision that uh, we make if we don't want to go with the, like, the best deck. And it's kind of, like, playing opposite of what, like, conventional wisdom is. And, well, yeah, the Prism thing, too, is, like, that reminded me a lot of, like, the people that just, just played Jund or just played Blue-White Control and Magic, where it's, like... I've been playing this deck for 10 years. I'm going to just play this no matter what, because, like, this may be a counter matchup, but I played the matchup a thousand times. So, like, I'm going to find edges that you can't find because I'm more experienced in matchup type of situation. Um, but that's what Prism was for me, kind of, of just, like, I'm just going to play her no matter what a lot of the time because she's... I. It doesn't matter if the other deck is better if I'm better with this deck, because... I'm gonna get more wins out of that. The the edges weren't big enough to switch decks for me. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that there again is like kind of pros and cons to both. Obviously, if you play like what's at the top of the meta, like you know that your deck is more or less like going to be refined to some degree. And you know that the strategies that you play are going to be powerful against like a, a wide variety of the decks that people are playing against. But I think mm -hmm. that you're kind of disadvantaged by people like yourself who are 
I guess, like character specialists who have put in a lot more hours because it's there's like a little bit of information asymmetry there where if you're playing the deck that everybody kind of knows about, you're also playing with the deck that everybody's going to try to like figure out at least some kind of a game plan against, right? And I think that it's probably more likely that if you're playing, if you're like just some random Runeblade player at PT Lille, you're not just like repping out against Prism all the time to know exactly like, oh, this is the time that I have to kill this aura at like this life. To like, it's just not like part of your practice. Uh, that's where I got my edges usually of a, uh, uh, you didn't know the exact thing. You lost this game 17 turns ago type of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like, 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 I, I think people might be aware that Prism is a deck, but don't like re necessarily refine their strategy beyond like, oh, sometimes I got to kill the auras and then I like, kill them. Mm -hmm. Go face like. Whereas if you're playing against like one of the top decks, like, you know exactly like what it is that, that they're trying to do, because like mm -hmm. everyone only has so much time to prepare. Well, it's also playing with a target on your back, like. That was one of the things that made me not want to play Icelander for Nationals. Once the meta kind of shifted towards, you know, ice decks being popular, and then the aggro decks started adjusting to beat the ice decks, I was like, I don't know if I really want to play an ice deck with a target on my back. That just sounds fairly annoying of, like, now I'm losing one of my edges in this matchup. Like, this deck is much better when no one's looking at me. Um, and for me, that's, like, always been one of my reasons why i don't usually play the the meta tier one best deck in format like i didn't play chain back in the day i i don't like playing the the best deck but part of that also comes from me my my origins of being a poor Yu-Gi-Oh kid i can't afford to keep jumping from tier one deck to tier one deck and then seeing it get banned underneath me yeah just play uh prank kids or whatever oh i don't know what that is i don't know Yu-Gi-Oh anymore <laughs> uh that's yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a lot to kind of like think about, and I, I think that again, like you, you get benefits. I think if you, if you want to play meta, then you definitely have to like. I think you have to like take like where the meta deck is, like beyond where it currently is, in order to do well at a tournament. I think. It's pretty rare that you can win a tournament just by like net decking exactly yeah. like the eighty cards that someone else yeah, went like, with. Like Dan and them, they they innovated the Phi deck. Um, Michael he innovated the Icelander deck. This this game also really lends itself to brewing, which is nice. I'm not used to that. Yeah, little did you know you could have played with Icelander, but you just had to dig through your WTR commons. Hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh man yeah i i i do think that there's a lot of space for brewing there's a lot of space to try to like what well, was it like uh art of war or i forget like some not not the card like the book it's like you got oh you got some zoos yeah, art yeah, of war yeah. yeah it's like strike when your enemies are not expecting mm -hmm. um that kind it kind of applies. It's just like you want to be at least on some level unpredictable, mm -hmm. and this kind of fits with the theme of of the episode today. Uh, that's basically uh, what I wanted to talk about today. It's a shorter episode, but I think particularly for anybody who's listening who wants to prepare for worlds, 
I think these are all things to kind of keep in mind during your preparation. Don't just like try to blend in with the crowd or like do whatever it is that everyone else is doing. Like it does give you benefits to kind of try to be like, like do, do things that are a little bit opposite of what other people are willing or want or want to do. Yeah, I think the only way that you can have success by just, as you said, blending in with the crowd is by executing better than everyone else. Like you need to be doing something better than everyone else is doing that is doing the same thing. Otherwise, you're you're just another face kind of thing of like what's what's making what you're doing different than someone else. Um, so it's like finding an edge through deck building or deck planning or finding an edge through just raw game skill or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so good luck to everybody who is going to be going to any of the battle hardens that are coming up. I think that next week is also just like, I'll, I'll probably just come up with another, uh, topic to talk about, but then there's going to be like, like a recap of what's going on, uh, in Ohio particularly. And then I'll do my update on what I think the world's meta is going to be like and then hopefully i'll see everyone at worlds mm -hmm. all right thank you so much for being on the show fino thanks for having me all right uh until the next time